employers don't look after you. You know, as an employee, you either have to find that unicorn employer or really take your own destiny into your hands. And, and you know, so, so partly it informed me to become a business owner because it colored my experience with employers on my end. And also as a business owner, it colored the way that I wanted to show up for my employees to kind of say, you know, everybody deserves to be treated well as, as an employee and um, employment shouldn't be exploitive. And I think there's other, other aspects of our values as well, but that's probably the number one in terms of the way that we run this agency versus the way other people run their agencies. Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. I'm Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant, and my mission is to help the world's top CEOs and entrepreneurs shift from incremental to exponential progress and create a huge positive impact on our world. Now, that requires you to reinvent yourself and transform your business. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. This is a fun episode. Here I speak with Aaron Cruikshank, who is the CEO of CTRS, that's a Canadian Market Intelligence Agency. On the surface, his business seems relatively traditional, right? Doing market intelligence in a pretty interesting way for, for very large uh, corporate clients. However, his heart is for impact. He's built his business around creating life-changing employment for his team. And that comes from a really deep place that we discover in the episode. But we also find out life's not always easy. And in fact, as he describes it, servant leadership bit him on the ass, came back not in the way he was hoping. And we learn how did he deal with that? What did he learn? So we look at purpose, uh, radical transparency, leadership, a really interesting conversation with Aaron Cruikshank. Enjoy. Hi, Aaron, and welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. So this is going to be an epic showdown between, uh, between the Beastie Boys on one hand and, and Freddie Mercury on the other. Um, I'm joking because I know that you introduced yourself in your bio as the rock and roll bad boy of market intelligence. And, um, and so I, I love that. So it sounds like anybody who describes themselves as the rock and roll bad boy is going to be good in my books. Um, and um, I'm going to jump in with a brilliant quote that I read from you, which was, Servant leadership bit me in the ass. So let's start there. So how the hell can servant leadership bite you in the ass? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think sometimes you can get a little too into something, you know, like when people get too into cold pressed juice or something like that, or nutritional shakes, and all of a sudden that's all their keto and that's all they can talk about. And uh, I got a little too into servant leadership, and I think overextended myself in big ways uh, to my people. And, and it did bite me in the ass because, you know, I ended up in a situation where I majorly overextended myself to, to benefit an employee, had to do some layoffs uh, because of the financial situation. And this probably the employee that we'd done the most for um, ended up suing us uh, for her, laying laying her off because uh she felt that we hadn't done enough for her but in the grand scheme of things we've done a crazy amount of things for her so yeah tends tends no no good deed goes unpunished as they say well it's interesting isn't it um what i'm hearing there is 
well, if anything, let's dive in. Actually, what, what do you mean by what was it about servant leadership which had those consequences? Yeah, I mean, I think what I was the part about servant leadership that I was forgetting is, and you, and you hear coaches talk about this kind of stuff all the time. As they say, if the plane's going down, you got to put your mask on first, and then worry about putting the masks on other people. And I've never been particularly good at that, so. I think the mistake that I was making was not keeping my needs as a CEO or business owner in balance with the needs of my employees. And I was just giving, giving, giving too much. And, you know, I had people on my team telling me I had to stop doing that. And it was just, there was something in me that made it uh, difficult to keep things in balance. I was always putting everybody, I still struggle with this, but I, I tend to put others first and it uh, makes it hard to take care of yourself in that situation. So Yeah, it's interesting. I, I come across this quite a bit. And it's all about the metaphor that we use. So what I mean by that is if you see it, well, I've got a choice. Do I put my do I put me first or them first? Right? Our values, we might well say, well, I can't put myself first, that'd be selfish, right? And so no matter what we say, if that metaphor is it's me or them, right? Then it become it can be very hard for us to choose me because that feels like feels selfish or ethically questionable. So what how, what can, what's quite helpful is to think about a different metaphor. Metaphors is how we change our mindset. Right. So you know, it, you know what happens if it wasn't like a cue, you know, where you have to align, where you have to decide who's first in the line to get stuff, right? Perhaps it's another metaphor, right? Perhaps it's I haven't thought about what they would be, but it's it's something like, for me, it's like, well, you, you know, you're all, um, yeah, it's something like a tug of war, you know, where you're all pulling and, you, or, you know, or, or everyone's carrying a, everyone's carrying something and you need everyone to be carrying, you know, whole supporting the way. So everybody needs to be playing their part. Uh, everyone needs to be resourced, something like that. The way I look at it is it's all about the mission. Not that the mission can become a millstone. And that means everyone gets crushed by the weight of changing the world or whatever. But when we look at like what's the only, like how do we maximize collectively our contribution? Then I think sometimes that helps us kind of take off this either or pressure, you know, is it me or is it them? But it's actually like, what's the overall thing that we need for us all to move forward to serve? But I definitely, uh, but thank you for being honest about this because I think servant leadership, the danger is it becomes this martyr mentality which is almost what you got and then what i hear is actually didn't even get any gratitude from it right didn't actually generate the the, the well-being on the other side that you hope for yeah and i don't i don't need thank you cards i don't need flowers or anything like that just don't sue me <laughs> i'm a pretty easy guy don't sue me yeah fair point well it's it's interesting. One of the things I've seen with some of my clients um, when they start working with me is actually, it can be that um, the more we actually look after our employees, and I'm curious your views on this, the more entitled they become, right? So the, I've had people who said, you know what, we've given them everything. We've given them the, the pool table, the flexible hours, the free drinks, what, you know, whatever it is. And like, they don't get happier because of it. They become more demanding. And so actually they end up in this kind of consumerist kind of mindset where they need to provide more and more to try to satisfy their employee consumers. And actually they, 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 they never get satisfied. And again, I think the shift from that is rather than making it about them, 
for me, it's all about collectively how are we contributing to serve our stakeholders, right? Serve our customers, make a difference. And then again, when we're looking at the lens of are we all making a difference, then actually we be pulled in the same direction. So that's kind of my perspective, but I'm curious because you're living it in the trenches. Um, and I know that you put a real value on looking after your employees. So how do you see that, that tension between looking after them and not creating an entitlement mentality? I, I think it really depends on the people involved. Like we, 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 2023 has been a shit year in a lot of ways and for us and a lot of small businesses. And, um, you know, when you go through the crucible, you find out who your friends are, and and uh, uh, we've been through the crucible, and and what we've got left is is a core of people who share the right values and who really get the mission, who see that we're pulling together. So I'm getting you know employees that are doing things like offering to voluntarily cut their pay or cut their hours or things like this to make sure that we're all going to make it through this, and and we are. And, you know, things are turning around, everything's looking better, but who, who is left are the, I don't have any concerns about entitlement amongst the people who are left. And my business partner and I talked about this recently where we're like, it's such an amazing group that, that, that we've got left. And, and, uh, you know, some of the people that fell by the wayside along the way were the ones that were sort of saying me, 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 and, and they're no longer with us. And, and that's because they, they, it was, it's like a culture fit. It wasn't a culture fit. And, uh, they, you know, um, and it, it, cause yeah, it caused a lot of tension. You know, I tried to have a conversation with an employee, uh, last year where, you know, I was saying, look, you're, you're, I started the conversation by saying your compensation was the highest in the company last year. Um, more so than mine, you made, you know, 30% more than I did last year. Um, so, you know, just hey, congratulations means you're doing great work. Everything's going well. And, uh, she stopped it and said, look, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this topic. She didn't want to talk about her compensation from that perspective. But then when she had her employee review a couple months later, she was saying, Okay, so I made, you know, like $92,000 last year working 50% full time. Um, I want to know how to turn that. Oh, let's talk about how to turn that into $150,000. And I'm kind of going, wow, okay. So on without doing any more work, like what how is that going to? So I kind of said, you know, I don't, I don't see how that math works out. That's a pretty big jump for, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, and it turned into a pretty ugly critique of her kind of saying, you know, you're not doing this for me and you're not doing that for me and all this kind of stuff. I'm going like, holy cow, like we're, <laughs> we're, we're paying you 90, 90, over $90,000 a year for working 20 hours a week. Like, I'm sorry, you're, you're doing really well right now. So, but yeah, so those kind of people are gone. Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes these crucibles, the crucible of challenging times do actually allow us to kind of shake out a little bit and find the people that are really aligned with what we're up to. And I don't, I, I don't mind paying people well and treating people well, but don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to throw them back in my face because that doesn't, that doesn't feel good. So Aaron, just to set the context a bit, as, as we've, I know we jumped straight in here. So you, you're the CEO of CTRS. It's a market intelligence agency. Just perhaps explain a little bit about, you know, in a couple of words, just what it is. And then why, why this business, right? Why did you decide to set this up and make this your, your thing? 
Sure. So market intelligence is looking at everything external to your business. So most companies, when they're trying to make a big strategic decision, they'll open up the books, they'll look at everything internally and spend most of their time focused on that. We're of the school of thought that that's a mistake. You should not that you shouldn't look at your internal stuff, but you have to pop your head up and look around and kind of go, what's happening around me in the environment? What's happening with my customers? What's happening with the market? And, and spend a lot more time looking at that. So that, that's the business that we're in, is helping our clients look at the external environment and bring that intel inside to make informed decisions about just about anything. Getting into a new market, opening a new location. You know, we do that for government, private sector, universities, not-for-profits. Everybody's got intelligence gaps that is stopping them from making crucial decisions. Got it. And, and so why, the, why this business? What, what made you decide you wanted to make this your, uh, your main thing in, in business? Well, like a lot of consultants, we started out trying to do everything for everyone, which was a, obviously a terrible thing to do. Um, and what we found was we, there was so much blue ocean opportunity with market intelligence. We just weren't seeing a lot of other people doing it. And when we were doing it for clients, they would kind of freak out and go, wow, I can't, I, nobody does this. I can't believe. So, so we heard that enough that we just kind of went, okay, there, there's a real opportunity here because there's an underserved market here. And, you know, to the best of our knowledge, we, we, we update our own market intelligence on ourselves every year. Uh, we still can only really identify two other companies globally that do what we do. And, and so it's a great niche to be in and, uh, and lots of channel partnership opportunities. So it's just mostly we're in this business because it's a lot of upside and, and we're providing a lot of value to our customers. So got it. Perfect. And so I know that you do this with a very specific set of, uh, of ethics really, or, or approach around this and, and you, because on one level, this is, sounds like a fairly traditional business. It's a market intelligence agency. You know, it's got some blue chip clients and smaller businesses and everything else. Um, on the other hand, you know, we're here because because of your desire for impact and this is business as a force for good. So just talk about a bit about like the heart that you come into this with, right? What what are you trying to do a bit differently from perhaps your traditional consulting company? Right. Well, a little bit of backstory. I grew up in a blue collar family, uh, lots of trades people and m my dad was one of those people who I, I would call him exploited, right? Like he was, he was somebody who was a very talented welder who ended up working for folks who took advantage of the fact that he wouldn't uh, say shit if his mouth was full. So if, if, if he was being mistreated, um, he would just kind of, well, that's the boss. And, you know, we, we just kind of knuckle on and do, do what they say. And, um, even from a young age, that really irked me. That that how can you let your employer treat you that badly? My dad's a smart guy and 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 a lovely man, but it it really formed, I think, at a young age that that sort of take to go. Employers don't look after you. You, you know, as an employee, you either have to find that unicorn employer or really take your own destiny into your hands. And and you know, so so partly it informed me to become a business owner because. It colored my experience with employers on my end. And also as a business owner, it colored the way that I wanted to show up for my employees to kind of say, you know, everybody deserves to be treated well as, as an employee. And 
um, employment shouldn't be exploitive. And I mean, there's other, other aspects of our values as well, but that's probably the number one in terms of the way that we run this agency versus the way other people run their agencies. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to remind you that my book, Making Time for Strategy, is now available. If you want to be less busy and more successful, I highly recommend that you check it out. Why not head over to makingtimeforstrategy.com to find out the details. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know that you've 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 talked about this in the past about the need to really pay people properly and not take excuses of you know the economy is a bit down now or so forth. What we can talk about that, but what I'm hearing is that it comes from quite a deep place. It comes from your childhood. It comes from the images you still have in your in your mind of your your father and what he went through. And it's amazing, isn't it? And I, for any listeners, it's like it's so important to t- tap in to those. Prime, primordial drivers that we have. But for me, it's my sister. I've talked about it many times. Um, didn't I didn't realize as I grew up how impactful it was, but actually that deep sense of like, not everybody gets to do what I'm getting to do. And so like, let's go for it, make a difference. It's really deep within me. Uh, and so and I hear for you, same thing, right? Like, you have that fundamental thing. I don't want to. I don't want to treat people like my dad was treated. I want to take a different path, and that's you know you're not going to get it. You're not going to waver from that approach because it's some, somehow you know built deep within you. Almost like a duty. Yeah, like a duty. Yeah, and and to come back to that, how do you reconcile those? Because you want to balance. You know, you want to support your people, and then of course you've had a challenging business situation as you mentioned. Um, so what was, how did you manage that? On one hand saying, I need to kind of support my people, pay them properly, do everything. On the other hand, business is tight right now. How does, how did you navigate those, that tension? I would say what we did was, and, and to the, sometimes my business partner and my general manager kind of go, "Mm," but, um, I'm, I'm really big on radical transparency. So when, when things are not going well, I, I think I don't like to, soft shoe it with the team. I don't like to um, try to, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I, you know, I, I am very honest with the team and say, you know, Hey, you know what? Last three months I didn't get paid, you know, and I'm paying you guys. I didn't get paid Um, and not to guilt them, but just to let them be aware of what the situation is. Or if I've had to finance part of the business with a home equity line of credit or something like that to say, that's what I've had to do. And, and, you know, and, and it's resulted in them coming forward. And I love my people so much because they've with, with that radical transparency and the care and love that we all have for one another, we've been able to come together now uh, to get out of this difficult situation by solutioning things together. So that's, that's been wonderful. And it's, you know, I, I'm sure you've talked to other leaders who, Feel, there's a certain sense of isolation when you're when you're a leader, and and I also think that this is a way to combat that. And um, there's 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 certainly contrarian schools of thought on this, and that would say that I'm too transparent or I'm I share too much. But again, it's a cultural thing with with CTRS, and um, you know, like if anybody on my team wants to see the financials, I'll pull out the PNL reports and walk them through them. And if they don't understand what they mean, I'll give my crash course on 
how to read financial statements. And, and we have layperson talks about what all these things mean because um, I want them to understand. I want them to be fully aware of how the business works and what their role in it is and how they contribute to value and how, how the company is going to grow. And, and that's how we get to solutions together. And it's, it's, not just, it's not just about making it easier for me. I think it's about opening up opportunities for us all to do better. And, and, and again, it's almost like it's like our ethos for the business. We, we want our clients to make better strategic decisions by having all the best information possible. So if I'm asking my employees to make, I don't want to micromanage them. They got to make their own strategic decisions day by day. They need all the information in order to do that most effectively. So I can't withhold the, the majority of the information about how things are going from them because then they're not going to make the right decisions day to day. Yeah, I love, I love the fact that you're applying the ex internally, what you're living externally. And what I also heard is it, when times difficult, that information actually creates a, a deeper bond. Because I think one of my definitions of influence, how, how you create influence, relational influence, rather than kind of transactional relationships. It's through sacrifice. When somebody knows that you have sacrificed something of yours for them, whether it's time, whether it's your kind of um, veneer of reputation, you know, your image, whether it's your money, whether it's resources, right? If you've actually given up something of yours for them to serve them in some way, then suddenly they know, okay, this person's on my side and I can trust them and, and they have the right to speak into my life a bit as well. And so what I heard is that when people go, oh yeah, Aaron's not taken his salary this month so that he can keep paying the rest of us. I, I'm sure those people start to want to do anything to help keep the business going, right? They suddenly realize they've got somebody who's got their back and they want to reciprocate. Yeah, and, and, and it's not just about the money. I mean, we, we've, got, we've had people on the team who have uh, health issues and, and things like that where they can't work full-time or they've got young children that they need the flexibility around. So it, it's, about, it, it's about paying people well, but it's also about giving people the flexibility to still live their lives. And, you know, um, you know really, I think somebody... I think we said this at our strategic planning thing a couple of years ago. We're trying to create life-changing employment here for, for folks. And, um, and what that, the relationship that you get with your team when, you, when, you're, when that's the interest that you're coming at it with to go, this job, I'm going to do my damnedest to make sure this job is the best job you ever have. It, it creates a different dynamic for sure. And I don't, I'm not trying to buy people's loyalty because I think it can verge on like a creepy kind of, Ooh, I own them now. It's 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 nothing like that. It's it's just I think, and I have the I have the benefit of owning a small business. Like if I was running a business with five or five hundred or a thousand employees, I probably wouldn't be able to be this close to my employees. It would it would end up looking a lot different. But I run a small business, so I can I can have relationships with everyone who works with me, and you know have them over for dinner periodically, and. Uh, babysit their dogs when they go out of town, that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, I, I have that privilege because of the size of the business, but. Yeah. I love that phrase. What a great intention to set to create life-changing employment. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful phrase. So talk about what multiplying your impact looks like, uh, perhaps in business or personally, you know, what, 
um, if we're speaking in a few years time and you're like, wow, you know, I can't believe how much, you know, how much more impactful I've become or the business has become or whatever, like, what's that look like? What, what really sets you on fire? Right. So, I mean, one of the things we have this program called design to give, which is part of our, our B Corp. Um, commitment. Um, and what that looks like is we give five, at least 5%. Some years it's more like 10% of our time away pro bono to not-for-profit organizations to help them do good in the world. So from an impact multiplier perspective, I think that's the main place it shows up. So for example, we're here in Canada. There's a lot of, been a lot of talk in the last five, 10 years about Indigenous reconciliation and there's a great organization here called the Downey Wenjack Fund that, that helps organize, uh, schools, businesses, communities connect with Indigenous reconciliation. And um, we were able to step in in something very specific uh, and help them actually measure their impact and, and figure out what, what to do with that and how to grow that impact. So could we, as a company do that much on indigenous reconciliation directly? No, but if we can find an organization that's doing that good work and give them a leg up in, in one very specific area, that, that then the impact is multiplied, right? Because they're gonna help uh, hundreds or thousands of people. And, and my direct impact is what I can do for my employees. What, what, and, and, but, the, but the impact multiplies in a number of different ways because my employees get this great opportunity to work with these great organizations so they feel like they're doing something good in the world. We are doing something good in the world, but then what we choose to support are organizations that can do much more than we can directly. So we're providing levers. We're providing levers to organizations to move big rocks. And, and uh, that, that feels good. It's, what, it's, it's the same thing we do for our paying clients, but because of this commitment to give away so much pro bono, we're able to provide it to organizations that would never be able to afford to hire us. Yeah, yes, yeah, so, so such a great model, right? That you're able to uh, take your core skill set and and deploy them for the good of of these NGOs that, that can do so much good with that it's a leverage effect. I love that. So, as you're looking to move forward, what's how do you multiply your own impact? What's going to be the shift in you that allows you to become more influential, more impactful in your own leadership? and what you're up to in the world? Well, I am trying to, there's a few different ways I'm, I'm trying to do that, Richard. One is I am trying to eliminate the linchpin position that I'm in in the business right now. So I've spent a lot of time in the last two or three years. I'm a big fan of the uh, traction books and and uh, another book called Built to Sell, where, where it really focuses on, you know, to get satisfaction out of a business is and, and stability is to not have, the owner or the CEO be that critical piece that if I get hit by a bus, the whole company goes down. So made a lot of progress on that. I think the last piece left is to not be the where the buck stops on sales. That's really the last part where I'm, I'm kind of stuck. So I'm working on that part right now. Um, and then I'm going to focus on uh, developing a bit of a community of practice around what market intelligence is. So um, it's not currently... The way that market research has a community of practice, market intelligence does not have anything like that. It's such a weird little niche. So I'm going to, you know, there are a handful of books written on this. So I think I'm going to uh, work on a book 
to try and help especially smaller businesses understand the the impact of what this is and how it how it can help them and um definitely going to focus on cheap and cheerful so people can if they can't afford to hire us that they can learn from the book and make changes in their own business or the way that they approach strategic decision making by using some similar tools to the way we do and and i'm also going to uh, i'm working on a teaching journey so i'm in the process of becoming a, a university professor over the next five or six years and and my hope is when i'm when i'm in my mid 50s and onwards is that i'll be able to teach a younger generation how to use these tools and how to apply them to their businesses or their employers businesses and and uh make those kind of changes so i, I think the tool set that we we use is an important one and it's one that's very poorly understood outside of blue chip environments and i think it's we're trying to democratize the ideas we're trying to democratize the tools and and make sure that uh more people know how to use them and benefit from them well it's amazing that you've you're really investing in this idea of teaching right actually getting professional qualifications to really do that in a optimum way i guess or in a most professional way oh it, it's it's weird going back to school at this age Richard, because I mean, like I, the last time I was in school was 18 years ago and, and now I'm, I'm back in school and it's just, and, and it's, it's, it feels weird. <laughs> I'm a better student than I was the last time. That's for sure. Yeah. Good, good, good on you for doing it. Beautiful. Well, Hey, it's been a great conversation. I've, I've enjoyed kind of really getting into this story of what makes you who you are. Um, what gives you that drive to serve employees as well as serving your customers, right? Or, or serving the stakeholders, the shareholders, uh, and, and just understanding this mission that you're on to democratize, democratize this, this area of market intelligence, which can have a big impact on businesses, large and small. Um, if people want to find out more about you or about uh, CTRS, your, your business, where, where should they go? Real easy to find on LinkedIn. That, that's sort of the main place to interact with me. So if you just search my name on LinkedIn, there aren't too many Aaron Crookshanks. And uh, look for the Aaron Crookshank at CTRS and add me. Um, and I, I think there's a connection to our newsletter on my uh, links there. So you can also check that out. But follow me on LinkedIn. Um, get connected to me there. I'm always happy to interact on a one-on-one -on -one basis with folks. Perfect. Aaron, well, thanks a lot. I've enjoyed speaking with you and I wish you all the best uh, as you continue to build out your business. Thanks, Richard. Well, that's a wrap. If you received value from this conversation, please do leave us a review on your favourite podcast platform. We'd deeply appreciate it. And if you'd like to check out the show notes from this episode, head to xquadrant.com slash podcast where you'll find all the details. Now, finally... When you're in top leadership, who supports and challenges you at a deep level to help you multiply your impact? Discover more about the different ways we can support you at xquadrant.com.